an explosion near the finish line at the Boston Marathon. One, if not two, explosions in succession of today's Boston Marathon. Unmistakable that this was something that was large and catastrophic. It was big, it was booming. I saw a big mountain of smoke come up. This whole community has been dealing with a horrific event uh, today, two explosions on Boylston Street. Boston is a tough and resilient town, so are its people. I'm supremely confident that Bostonians will pull together, take care of each other, and move forward as one proud city. And as they do, the American people will be with them every single step of the way. The whole dynamic here has changed, guys. Everything is different now. There was a ripple of applause just about two minutes ago. It started with the police officers and responders who were closest to where the suspect was believed to have been. I want to thank all of the partners who worked tirelessly over the last four days, including the FBI, the transit police, our brothers with the Boston Police Department. We're exhausted, folks but we have a victory here tonight. As the colonel said, because of that extraordinary collaboration and cooperation by all of these law enforcement professionals who brought their A-game, we have a suspect in custody tonight. Today, the city of Boston, the city of Cambridge, and the city of Watertown, and many other communities can breathe a sigh of relief. I have never been prouder to stand with a tremendous group of law enforcement here. The citizens of the city have been incredible. The community stood strong. It was a call from a resident of Watertown. We asked you to remain vigilant, and you did. We got that call, and we got the guy. And so we can't thank you enough. You've done everything and more than we've asked. If they sought to intimidate us, to terrorize us, to shake us from those values that Duvall described, the values that make us who we are as Americans. It should be pretty clear by now that they picked the wrong city to do it. Today is the 10th anniversary of the launch of 98.5 The Sports Hub. The 10th anniversary of The Sports Hub is presented commercial-free today by Aaron's, the king of snow. Buy your Aaron's snow thrower on tax-free weekend. Uh, that, of course, was following the bombing of the Boston Marathon in 2013. And uh, we were a few years into this station when that happened. And I will say there is uh, no worse week that we ever had than that one, for obvious reasons. And there's no real playbook for how you're supposed to handle a week like that. There's no plan. There's no way to prepare for that. There's no good way to make a decision in the heat of the moment when something like that happens. Um, so we sort of did things on the fly. Yeah, we were down at uh, Kenmore Square doing a midday show. Not you, but uh, Gresham myself. And I remember the spot I was at. I was in front of Mick Morgan's on Route 1 heading home. And what was it? What was the time of it um, when the explosion went off? 252? I think it was two around 251, right in that area. And um, remember when it came across the radio, I'm like, gee, that's an, everything changed here. And that's the only time we really didn't do sports here in the 10 years. Everything's been sports, sports, sports. But you stopped and... Um, 249 was the 249, first one, I'm so. sorry. Okay. And everything changed. So it happened. I was obviously on Felger Mass at the time. I was still a part of that show. And 
as it had started to play out, we obviously have monitors in the studio like we do now. You obviously see us looking up a lot. We do that a lot because that's where the TVs are. They're high in the studio. Uh, Felger Maz were doing the majority of the talking. I'm sort of off to the side, and I started having a conversation with Jimmy saying, Jimmy, something's going on at the marathon. I don't know what it is, but there's, there's something going on down there. And we started to see some initial reports of, at first, I remember that there was a manhole cover explosion and that there was a <laughs> fire, that it that it may have been an electrical fire related to a man, because no one really knew what the hell was going on. It was, you know, like any news story or anything of that nature, people didn't know exactly what it uh, what it was that was going on, but we had Channel 4 on, WBZ TV, covering the marathon. And I remember saying to Jimmy, go, Jimmy, there, something doesn't look right, right about this. Something's wrong there. Yeah. Uh, and you know what, Beetle, for, you know, everyone who was there and obviously, <clears throat> you know, uh, eyewitnesses and the people, of course, who were injured and lost their lives, it was that not knowing of what was happening and just, I, I would say coincidentally, not taking any credit for this as a station or anything else, but as a sheer coincidence, one of the first people to report news of this was a Sports Hub employee and still is one of our producers here, Kristen Sermon, who is, you know, I, I guess in a, you know, kind of a macabre way credited with being, I think, the first person to tweet about it. And I just looked it up. It was at 2.50 p.m. And you see her and her tweets cited in, you know, the days and weeks and years afterward. And it, you know, unfortunately, she used an expletive, but she said, holy blank, exclamation point, explosion, exclamation point. And that was at literally one minute, you know, within one minute of this happening, one of the first people to, quote unquote, report on this or at least say what was happening. And what and, and that was the, the first indication that this was not, you know, um, a CO2 cartridge that had gone off or a firework of any kind. It was an explosion. And it was someone that was with the with the radio station who was there on on the scene and close to it. So what we did, uh, we made the, the call at the time. I, I, you know, we said, let's monitor this because I think this could be something worse. And this is where we pick it up. This is the minutes after the top of the hour headlines. This is about 10 minutes after the explosions had happened. And we started to get a better understanding of what had maybe actually happened. This is the audio from that day. We've never played this back. Here it is just after 3 p.m., uh, in April of 2013 on the Sports Hub. All right, folks, welcome back to the program. Something has just developed here in the last couple of minutes in downtown Boston. I don't know if you've heard about it or heard of it or heard it, as uh, Rich, Rich certainly actually has. I'm touching Rich in the morning. He lives um, in the Copley Square area, and he just had his windows blown out by a couple of large explosions at the finish line of the Boston Marathon. So this has just happened within the last two to three minutes. It happened while we were doing our last segment, and we had no good idea what the heck was going on. And details are just coming out now, Beetle. Can you help me? Yeah, basically all the uh, tweets and everything that are happening, two loud booms were heard near the finish line over in Copley Square. Uh, two loud booms. There's some uh, reports of there being a large explosion Right near the finish line, as you said, uh, Rich Shirtenlieb, who lives in that area, uh, he said a giant explosion just blew out the glass of my building. Uh, he is unaware of what is actually going on over there, but but there's reports of it just being a horrible situation right now, and that's basically all we know. Right near the finish line in Copley Square, two loud booms were heard by everybody in that area, 
and uh, there was a loud explosion, a, a large explosion, but not sure exactly what is going on. So BZTV has their helicopter right over Boylston Street, right over the Lennox Hotel, right at the finish line, and right. they just have their camera panned down, and across the street from the Lennox, across from the grandstand, they have cleared out a whole area, and it looks like that's where one of the spots was, Maz? looks that way. Yeah, it looks, and you're right. It's exactly, it's right near the Lennox Hotel, and... Um, and there's huge red stains on the ground. I don't know what it is, but I don't know. We can all guess what it is. And they've uh, completely cleared out the area. There's just tons of, uh, it looks like police officers and red pennies, excuse me, yellow pennies going up and down the street. No one's left in the grandstands. No one's coming down Boylston Street. And uh, the reports are two explosions near the finish line at the Boston Marathon. Where does Rich live? Does he live on Boylston Street? You say in the Copley Square area. What does that mean? I'm not sure exactly where where he is, but he's he's close to there. I know that much. Uh, you know where there's a large grandstand set up near the finish line. All the people that were in those stands. If if you're watching on television, you could see it to the right. Uh, those have cleared out. People have run from that area. They pretty much all gotten out of there. Uh, there are reports of I'm seeing online, and again, you know, this is all pretty fresh. This is new, but. Uh, dozens injured right now is is the report in what this explosion happened over there. There have been a couple people uh, who've texted into me here too, who were out there, uh, and said that uh, exactly what Beetle has said uh, that in the area of the Lennox Hotel and the public library is where the explosions were, and um, you know, obviously, Mike, our thoughts to people who were out there, and uh, let's hope this was nothing more than an accident. Correct. Hopefully it's nothing more than an accident, but uh, it, it is main. When did it did it happen at? Uh, it happened approximately uh, from now. I'd say about nine minutes ago total. Eight to nine minutes ago was when these uh, reports started surfacing. So it's it, this happened pretty much you know within the last ten minutes. This went down. Okay, uh, do you want to take BZTV live, Billy? Can we do that? Can, can we patch that in as opposed to just fumbling around out here? Because we have nothing. I have zero to go on other than the picture I'm seeing on television from the helicopter here. Uh, right on top of the site, I assume. And uh, it looks horrific because that's usually, I mean, if it's at 255, you know, the, all the leaders and all the, you know, all the elite runners, quote unquote, are, are long gone by that point. So just in my memory, the crowd's sort of thin. It's not like we're seeing the leader cross, but you still have to imagine that. Well, you, you still get a lot of people down there, obviously, supporting friends, other runners, people running for charities, running for causes. Um, let's bring up BZTV Channel 4 right now and see what they're saying. I would say uh, right there. That's Felger making that call right there. That was the first good decision we made all week. <laughs> uh, what, four minutes in? Yep. To that sort of breaking? Having no clue what what happened. Yeah, you go right to the news there. <laughs> That's Get job, out. Felger. Yeah. yeah. Get the hell out of this. We are not equipped to do no. this. No, and then you're guessing. And And so were they. How how could they not? Because everybody yeah, they don't have information. But they but, did, but, but they were there. But you and we weren't. Yeah, you and Felger and Maz. Everybody doing I I think a good job in those initial moments. You know, uh, amidst the chaos of doing nothing more than relaying the information and a quick thoughts and prayers. But beyond that, you don't know, so you don't say. Once Rich it's reported not, that his windows were, I think Felger. That's when he sensed. This is this yeah. is big. That's not a time for opinion. That's not a time for guesswork. And none of you guys were doing that. And 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 rightly so. The decision to go to you know a trusted news source was the right one. And we we had we did a lot of that that week. Relied on 
you know, at our time, you know, the partners at, at BZAM and, uh, you know, the and the work that the television news stations were doing around here and um, I think very wisely stepped aside and allowed news journalists to do their job. So uh, April 15th, 2013, this happens. We went over to WBZ Channel 4. They picked up their coverage because obviously they are the uh, station that carries the marathon. They had their journalists. They have their news people that cover that. They were at the finish line to begin with. Uh, They covered that. They won many awards for their coverage of that horrible, horrible day. Uh, Then two hours later, Rich Schertenlieb, who lived in that area at the time and had his windows blown out of his home, calls in to the station. We pull back from the news coverage because now we've got one of our own that's going to tell his version of events from having been there. And this is him checking in just a couple of hours after it happened on the sports hub. And so we were concerned about Rich, and uh, I guess Tony uh, texted back and forth with Rich, and we actually have Rich on the line right now. Rich, what's going on? How you doing? Uh, it's uh, it's odd. It's 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 uh, definitely it's definitely strange. Um, well, I, I mean, uh, when when the bomb went off or whatever it was went off, I was putting my son down for a nap, and uh, I was in I was in the room putting him down, and I heard the first. Boom, and it shook the building I was in, and uh, I immediately ran out into our living room and looked out the window, and I saw smoke that had come all the way up towards the top of the building already, and then a second blast went off, which shook our building. And uh, we saw people running down Ring Road and all down Boylston and screaming. And so uh, my wife, who has right now, she's doing her outpatient chemotherapy. She's not supposed to leave our apartment. So... I had to get her out of there because I knew the smoke was going to be coming in. And I didn't know what to do, so I grabbed our kids and I put them, my wife put her mask on, and um, we went running down our stairwell. But the problem was, is when we got down to the bottom of the lobby, apparently one of the bombs had gone off directly in front of our building and had blown a bunch of people through the window and through the doors into our lobby. And there were a group of people lying or on the floor of our lobby covered in blood and they were cut open. And, and so when I saw that, I ran down and I had my son in my hands and he's already freaking out because the fire alarm and everything's going up. So I went and ran back up the stairs. There's smoke coming in through the doors at this point. We hear people outside. And so I go back up into the stairwell and I don't know what's going on here. And I try to call, I, the, the cell phone service was out. So that's when I, I went on Twitter. I was like, someone please tell me what's happening. Cause I didn't know if the, you know, if the buildings were falling, I mean, you know, the immediate first thing you think of is you, know, you hear bombs going off, and you, you know, you live in a building that's fairly tall. You think, you know, is it is the build, are buildings falling? I didn't know what to do, whether to stay in the building or get out, and risk going onto the street where there, you know, were explosions. So uh, that's when I, I guess I tweeted out the tweet you were talking about. But um, so we stayed in the stairwell for a few minutes, and people were saying that to not go out in the street because that's where the explosions were. So we found out that in the basement there was a back exit. And at this point, I grabbed my kids, and uh, there was a group of people who had run in from the street. I mean, the bravery of some of these people, just strangers coming in to help these people who had been blown into our lobby was amazing. They were making tourniquets just out of their own clothes and strapping them up. And meanwhile, I've got my wife covered in a mask. You know, there's blood everywhere, and she just can't get sick right now. And... Um, you know, my kids, I'm trying to turn their head away from seeing what's going on. So we have to run through this lobby. And there was this gentleman who was really helpful, who uh, I guess was one of the maintenance guys at the building. He brought us down through the uh, through the lobby to the back exit. 
and throughout that back exit, there was like a trail of blood where they had already carried one of the people out through the back exit. They wouldn't have to go out to the front of the street. And so we get out to the, uh, we get out to the alleyway and I'm trying to, you know, keep pace with my wife because she can't run. And I'm trying to also, you know, I'm carrying both the kids and, you know, there's just groups of people still running and, and nobody knows what's going on. And we just, my whole plan was just to get as far away from, the actual Boylston Street as possible, and we got to uh, a friend's house who lived several blocks away just so I could get Mary safely to a bed to where she can stay away from all the germs and everything because she has essentially no white blood cells right now. So now she's, she's safely in a bed. The kids are happy. I, you know, they, they don't quite understand what they saw, and I hope they didn't see that much, but it's, um, it's, a, it's a strange place. Our building is evacuated. No one is allowed in. Um, but I, I, it wasn't until I got to this, uh, our friend's house, I turned the TV and they have a picture and the bomb literally went off at, on the doorstep of our building. And, uh, which is wild because my, my wife was, uh, it was <laughs> it's kind of funny. One of her friends was going to come over and take our son down towards the, the, the finish line. She was supposed to be there in about five minutes. She's okay. So, um, but we're okay. I'm just saying that there's a lot of people who've been really, really brave, and it's been unbelievable the amount of people I've seen just help random people down here. But it's 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 been insane. I don't even know any more information. I'm just trying to figure it out all on my own. It's again, Rich certainly joining us here from Touch and Rich in the morning. Um, and uh, Rich, how old are your kids again? Uh, two and five. Phew. So, were you out on the street at all earlier in the day? I'm sorry. We were out on the street at all earlier in the day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had an appearance at the show, and I and I I walked back, and I was with the kids. And when I first got home, I brought Hank and Max down. They love. They, I mean, you know, Hank's. You know, he he's been seeing this for a few years now, and so I brought them both down. They cheered on the you know the you know the 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 winner of the men's race, and they were cheering that down. So we were standing. I mean, that's the other. It was kind of freaky. We were standing right where it went off, no more than two hours beforehand. Rich certainly wow. day of yeah day of and don't forget uh, early in 2013 was when Rich's wife Mary was diagnosed with leukemia and yep. was recovering um and was dealing with that when the marathon bombing happened and the base that's, of, that's what he was talking about yeah she, and the base of Rich's building is the forum which used to be the forum restaurant yeah. and that's where Andrewsy Joanne Drewsy and his foundation they have runners each and every year that's where they would have the finish party and that turned into a triage unit where he and Matt Chatham were down there just carrying victims yeah. know, down to get treatment. Well, at the and, base. And, and again, I mentioned him earlier. Um, you know, one of the guys who was there at BCM right before we launched here on our 10th anniversary day, Adam 12, he was there working that day at that restaurant, I believe at the, the, the Joanne Druzy, that the same event. And, uh, you know, at 12, he's, he's never really talked about it. He's, I mean, it was, you know, as Rich described the scene, as we all heard and what we all know the stories of now, it's, uh, you know, too horrific to talk about truly yeah nobody likes talking about it really no it's not something you enjoy talking about or like reliving or going back to and you know the things we do like talking about are the things that bring everybody together after the fact which are the things that we like talking about which are everybody going to the garden at a game and singing the national anthem after the fact at a bruins game you know, we love talking about that. We love everyone coming back Ortiz, together. Ortiz, which is which is you know exactly yeah. David Ortiz. This is our bleeping city. We love that. We love the anthem at the Garden. We love that part of it. We love the the after the fact, which is what 
sports is I think it's the thing we love the most about sports is the thing that brings everybody back after the fact. It was like Diamondbacks Which, Yankees after 9/11. It's George yeah, it's, W Bush throwing out the pitch at yeah. Yankee Stadium after 9/11. Is what it is, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. It's that type of thing. It's Joe Andrusi running with the flags with his brothers, it's the three normal, normal New York firefighters, you know, right. at, at midfield with the Patriots going back to playing games after 9/11. It's those types of things that we're all comfortable talking about and we celebrate and say, wasn't that great how we all came together after the fact? Yeah, what a moment. It's the actual event of the day that you can't stand to think about right. or relive or go back to or any of those things. You two halftime Patriots Super Bowl one after 9-11. That, which is that why stuff, you like. being in the sports department, right, which is the That's sandbox our, yeah. of life, yeah. yeah. Okay, right. and we all know that, which is why I said that first decision made there, go to BZ. Go. That's he their it. thing. He knew it, too, That's, when you got the aerial shot. It's not our thing. It's not our thing. It's never really been our thing. And we sort of realize that. I think we've done a good job not bringing that up, too, and talking about that. You know, that type of stuff. Like, we don't, we do sports here. And that's sort of why I think why we survived for 10 years, too. You know, this is our specialty. Stay it's, in, it's part of the philosophy. Stay in your, stay in your lane. Yeah. I mean, it's undeniable. It's part of the station's philosophy. We don't it has been since people. day one. Like, how could you misinform people on that type of day? You know, there's right. people listening in, tuning in, like, okay, it's a highly listened to program. But even when we went what back we, to, they know? you know, tried to do some regular programming that that week, which we did not do much of. Um, I don't think we did it well. That was everything, and I was a part of it. So yeah, any I mean, anything that was going on, I mean, they town water town rev- revolved around that. Yes, from our from our station there in Brighton, we could see the uh, you know eventually later on in that week we could see you know the base set up in Watertown in the Home Depot parking lot there, right across the river. You know, going to and from work became, you know, um, difficult as no one was supposed to be out on the streets there for a time. And for those of us, you know, I was living in the city at the time. And, you know, we told to stay home, you know, but, you know, there were things to do and things that we had to do and had to go on the air, which a lot of us did that week. But um, there was only one story. There was only one thing to talk about. And we did it as well as we could. And, and every other time we allowed the news organizations to do the speaking. For and us. I think we, we did more guests than we usually do that week because we couldn't talk about it. You guys had a, you know, you guys couldn't just go out there with all the information. We needed people to have that had information that we could talk to. Yes. We did a, more guests that week than we did in any other week. We, we wanted to listen to the news 24 seven. Like when something big happens, you want to sit there and, just watch your team. What it? What is going on? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is from the next morning, and we'll talk more about that Friday. And obviously, a, a montage of the week of everything that we were doing here on the station to sort of try and get through that week. Uh, this was Rich when he had time to come into the studio and detail and sort of gather his thoughts the next morning on his own show, Touch Her and Rich, the following day on the sixteenth of April, twenty thirteen. More from Rich certainly. Obviously, a lot of people affected by what happened at the marathon yesterday, and it has not been an easy time for Rich. Now, don't get us wrong. There have been, in the sea of these problems, there have been very good news. For one, his wife, Mary, was cleared of cancer 17 days into her treatment. But, of course, it doesn't just end there. So through August, she'll be still getting treatment, and there will be times that she is feeling very ill. One of those is those, and now is one of those times. And susceptible to uh, picking up infections and things of that nature. And so you have that whole thing coming on. And Rich has basically been taking care of the kids by himself just because Mary's been so incredibly fatigued by their treatment. But then yesterday, 
Uh, Rich, uh, just so happens the second bomb that went off during the uh, marathon went off right in front of your apartment building. Yeah. Um, yesterday around, it was when the, I guess the winner of the men's race was coming across the finish line. We were watching it on TV in my apartment. My wife uh, is in a state right now where she can't leave the apartment for about another week because after chemotherapy, your white blood cells go down so low that you're not supposed to be around people. Any risk of infection is bad, really, really bad. Matter of fact, if you have a fever, you have to go directly to the hospital because your body can't do anything to fight it. So she's been a homebody for about a week now and needed to be that way for another week. So I brought my son, who is five, one of my sons, down to watch the uh, uh, the men's winner cross the finish line directly in front of our apartment. We do that every time, every year. And we were out there for about 10, 15 minutes. I brought him back up. And after having lunch, I went to go put my youngest son down for a nap. And as I was putting him down in the other room, that's when we heard the first explosion, which was right down the road from us. Uh, when that happened, there was no mistaking that it wasn't just a uh, like a celebratory cannon or something that somebody had set off. It sounded, it was too loud to be that. And as I got to the window in the front of my apartment building, uh, the second bomb went off and I immediately saw smoke and fire in front of the window. And... At that point, we knew that obviously there was something going on and it sounded like a bomb. So uh, my wife immediately grabbed her uh, masks that she has to wear if there's anybody who comes over to the apartment that may have an infection. Grabbed her mask. She put it on. I grabbed my children. And uh, and right now, I just put my shoes on. As a matter of fact, I haven't been back to my apartment yet. As you can tell, I have no socks on. I just... (laughs) was as quick as I could, got my shoes on, and uh, grabbed my kids, and we went down the stairwell. Now, at this time, we still have no idea what's going on. Uh, A lot of people from our apartment were uh, running down the stairwell as well. The closer we got down to the bottom, more smoke started filling the stairwell. Uh, When I got down to the lobby, I was holding my five-year-old, and uh, as I stepped down, uh, I saw that the scene in the lobby was that apparently when the second bomb went off, it had blown some people in from off the street all over the floor of our lobby. Uh, there was blood. There was um, uh, the doors were blown open. And um, I immediately turned around and, and put my son's head in my shoulder so he wouldn't see it. And I ran back up the stairwell and tried to figure out what to do. And at that point, I could get no cell phone service. So, uh, you know, we're trying to find out whether or not it's safer to stay in the building I didn't know if buildings were falling. I didn't know if this was a, you know, if you, the first thing you think of when you hear a bomb's going off in a city is you think of buildings falling. You have images of 9-11. Right. So I didn't know whether I was supposed to stay there or whether I was supposed to leave and go out into the street where there were bombs going off. So in the stairwell, I tweeted something uh, because I could get Internet service. And still at that point, nobody really had any answers. I ended up getting through to 911 finally, and uh, I kept asking them whether I should stay in the building or leave. They told me to leave, and I said, but should I leave? There's bombs going out outside my building. They said, well, I'm not sure, and then I lost this. We got disconnected. So then I remember that there was in the basement of our building a a doorway that leads out to the alleyway behind our building on the other side of Boylston. And I said, well, we're going to have to make a run for it. we got to go through the lobby to do so. So I grabbed my son and my wife once again, who's not supposed to do any physical activity, yet she's going up and down these stairs holding our two-year-old with a mask on, you know, around smoke and there's blood everywhere and any kind of infection could get her sick. So I'm just trying to get her out of there. We go through the lobby and once again, I try to make sure that both of our sons' faces are down in my 
arm so they don't see what's going on there. And what is going on there is that there's people who have run in from the street who are attending to several of the people who may or may not have lost some limbs. And so we go down to the basement, which is attached also to one of the restaurants, the one that the Joe Andrewsy Foundation was being held. And as we're going through the basement to get to the exit, I see that there's blood smeared on the floor, that there are obviously people who had been either carried out, who had left, who had gotten blown into the building, and uh, made our way out into the back alleyway. When we made our way back out there, there were people who were running down the street, trying to get away from downtown. I told my wife, we got to get you a bed as soon as possible, just get you off the street, get you away from any kind of infection. And... uh We remembered that we had a dear friend that lives several blocks away, closer to the water. So we got there as quick as we could. They were not home, but their babysitter was there. They let us in. Immediately, I got my uh, my uh, my wife to to lie down and uh, and try not to have any more physical activity. She's uh, she was doing okay. Then we realized that my wife doesn't have any of her meds that she needs to take for the chemotherapy. So at that point, you're trying to figure out, okay, when can I get back to my apartment? so I can get this medication that she has to take diligently for her chemotherapy. We let about a uh, an hour, hour and a half go by, and the police did a masterful job clearing that area. Masterful job. It was absolutely dead about an hour and a half later. Now, that was between these flushes of giant buildings being let out. So you'd see tons of people on the street, and then it would be nothing. And then there'd be tons of people on the street, and then nothing. So I went back over towards my apartment building, and when I got to Newberry Street, there was a line of police officers there, uh, and I told them where I lived. I showed them my ID. They said, I'm sorry, we can't let you back there. And I said, well, there's medication that for my wife, and she's going to need it, and blah, blah, blah. They said, I'm sorry, we don't know how long it's going to take, but it's going to be a while, so you might have to make other plans. So at that point, you don't have a car. My car is actually where the crime scene is. I, uh, you know, no transportation is allowed in and out of that area, and I've got to get my wife medication that she is due to take right now. And once again, I don't know whether she got infected or she got sick. A good friend of ours, the people who live at that uh, house, ended up um, somehow, he got his car out of there, and it took forever just to get about, I guess it's five blocks down to her hospital which was on complete and total lockdown. I had to call them beforehand, and you needed a badge after badge. You needed to sign in. No visitors, nobody allowed. It wasn't like the hospital that we saw on TV that had machine guns uh, where people were guarding it out front. But nonetheless, it took you know about 45 minutes to get just basic medication to get back to my wife. To get back there, Sturro, you weren't allowed to go to back base, so I literally had to be dropped off on Sturro Drive and walk off Sturro and walk through Back Bay that way to get yeah. the medication to my wife. And I want to thank, of course, the people who took us in, good friends of ours. It's um, it's pretty amazing. And and when I think about it, now, 45 minutes earlier, this person, this terrorist, whatever they are, literally set off a bomb on my front doorstep. It's a place that I go 10 times a day. Usually with my two sons, my two-year-old, my five-year-old, and their stroller, in and out. Looking at a text here, it says, Rich, my cousin was one of the people in front of your apartment. She lost both her legs. Glad you and your children got out okay, my prayers for all. I had been standing there 45 minutes earlier. My wife and I were talking about how when my youngest son got up, I was going to bring him down. 
and we were going to go out there and enjoy the marathon like we do every single year, but some bastard put a bomb right in the front of my apartment and blew people's legs off right where I go every single day, right in my front door. And I'm so angry I can't see. I'm just, I'm, I, I don't even know what to think. I hope and pray that my son isn't old enough to understand what he saw or won't comprehend quite what he's been going through the last four months, the things that he's seen. I hope and pray that my wife's okay and wasn't infected from having to walk past bloody walls, people and smoke. There's just a lot of rage going on right now. I don't. I don't understand it sometimes. And I, and then I hear stories on the way in this morning of like this this poor eight year old and his his sister, you know, had her. I mean, the eight year old dies. He wants to see his dad cross the finish line. I mean, I can't feel sorry for myself. We're okay. We're alive. I mean, we're we have all of our limbs. I can't believe I'm saying that right now. And I just, I'm so angry, and I don't know what to do. I don't know whether I want this guy's name everywhere on TV. I don't know if I want anyone, no one to ever know what this man's name is. I don't know. All I know is that this has got to stop. It has to stop. And I don't know what we can do to make it stop, whether it's our generation, whether, whether it's what responsibility we have, how we can make it stop, but it has to stop. Because when you see it happen right in front of you and you see it affects your kids and it happens at your home. And God forbid if it happened to someone you love. That's the thing. Is I can't sit here and feel sorry for, for, for anything. I can't. I don't have a right to. There's people out there who died. There's people out there who, who were injured beyond belief. But it's got to stop. And I don't know how you make it stop. But please, someone tell me. How do we stop this? I don't know. All right. Well, uh, there you go. That is the uh, the question, and it is a question that will never be answered. But you have to remember, Rich, that uh, how many more people were willing to help and how many more people did the right thing and that the people responsible for these kinds of events are uh, infinitesimal in terms of the population of the world. And there were a lot. And that's the one thing I want to make sure people know is that there were people who ran in who helped out. I mean, just literally ran to the where a bomb went off. And gave you and, and and took off their own shirts, wrapped people up, carried people away from the accident. I mean, went, ran towards danger. I mean, that's there's a lot of good in this world. And you know what? You hope that this one ripple of evil. And I saw it when my wife. This one ripple of evil. You hope shows the good in everybody else around it, and it outweighs the evil with the just massive good that's going to happen from it. The heroes, the people who helped out. Right. You hope that there's a reason. You hope not a reason. You hope that there's some sort of balance. We'll bring the city together, and the next year, you know, you can't stay away from the Boston Marathon. You gotta, you know, you gotta even make it a better affair, and you just can't let uh, people that do these things don't let to them try win. to intimidate us and try to scare us. You can't let them win. You got to you got to go out and you got to uh, continue living your life and you got to continue enjoying the things that you uh, do. Stay strong. And that's from uh, the 16th of April 2013. Uh, Rich Shirton Lieb, who had been through quite a bit in 2013 and uh, was being put through quite a bit once again with uh, the attack on Boylston Street. Marathon 2013. Today. All the people that, you know, that we've come to know that were affected by it you know we have co-workers uh who are related to uh you know victims i don't want to say too much and get get sure. into it but um i've i've come to be friends with uh jp norden who was uh he and his brother paul both lost a leg and uh 
you know, all these people that, you know, you know, and you don't have to seek anyone out. You know, that all of us who, who lived here at that time, you've got like one or two degrees of separation, yeah. you know, from somebody. Um, we became and, friends with Dick Donahue when, when he bled out, you know, in the, the morning show and how we, we came together to the station to try and help him out. And yeah. just develop relationships with these people. And and I know Rich, you know, talked about it a little bit there and we've talked about it here, uh, not just in the coverage of it, but the, the law enforcement, the people who, you know, were instrumental in getting the, you know, the city back to some degree of safety and normalcy. Uh, I came to know a lot of those people over the years, cops who were involved in, in it and... Um, it's just the number of people who were impacted by that and had, you know, firsthand uh, experience in everything that was taking place on that day and throughout that week. Uh, it just it touched everybody. Everybody uh, was touched by it. And, and as horrific as it was, um, there there were some things that, you know, to come of it that we can look back on now and say, thank God for this person. Thank God for, you know, this happening the way it did, and thank God that uh, it went down that way. But it's it, it's never going to be right. You know, thinking back on that day, there's there's very very little good that you can uh, look back on now, even six years later, and thinking back on, you know, everything that we were doing that week, To uh, it's still tough to wrap your head around it. And we shut the whole damn city down. Do you remember that? Do you remember sheltering yeah. in place? Yes. Yeah. I remember uh, D- Dennis Lehane wrote a uh, a piece about that. And he said, essentially, you you know, yes, that this, this is the wrong city to do this to. You know, and he was writing as, and it wasn't this, you know, flowery piece about Boston. It was gritty. And he was saying, yeah. no, if you, you do this in the city of Boston, they'll literally shut the city down until... They find you. It was Friday. Friday was the shelter in place day. Right. Shut it down. Everyone stay home. I remember what, what driving in, in, in the neighborhood. No, the whole city. Yep. Watertown, which was the area they were searching and eventually found uh, the the at large bomber right. of the two. What do you mean, like downtown or where they live? No. Nope. You ever get on a highway? Everybody. Everyone. Shut it down. I remember going going into work that day and and. And Marcy's saying to me, it's like, can the kids play outside today? I'm like, yeah, keep them close, but you're supposed to be inside today. Yeah. It's an inside day. Like early in the day on uh, Thanksgiving or Christmas, you get out on the highway, there's nobody there. I remember driving in that day and called Mike, and this is when the shelter in place was instituted. And he said, we're going to run BZAM. You can come in if you want, but probably just turn around. turn around. Nobody was on the highway. Nobody. 95 heading in. 8.30 a.m. And the op shop. You'd see more traffic on Christmas Day. It was weird. Yep. Creepy. Yeah. Silent. Like and, before we, and, that's... and we went to BZAM that day. That's what we should have done. Until we didn't. Because I remember being uh, at home. I was living in Dorchester at the time. Mm-hmm. And I lived in Adams Village. And I remember... First of all, Martin Richard was from that neighborhood, and so the neighborhood was obviously feeling it. And I remember we were out. I was with my wife and a couple of friends. And so people were sheltering in place, but and not really. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah, we're all off today, but we'll all hang around in the neighborhood type of thing. And so people were out, 
and uh, people were out and about even still. And I remember gra- out, out grabbing lunch in the neighborhood and getting a call and it was close to two o'clock. It was in the afternoon. I think it may have even been after 2 p.m. Right? It was It was maybe even after 2 p.m. You, you got to come in. We're going to do the show. I'm being like, for what? Why? We are? What are we doing the show for? <laughs> I'm thinking. Who's listening? We, what are we going to say? What the hell are we going to do? What? What? Wait a minute. And now our, our offices were in Brighton. The oh, station was in Brighton. Yeah. You could come out the back door of the sports hub, look across the Charles where we were, lights. and it was the Home Depot parking lot where all the staging was set up for the FBI and for the Boston police and state police and everybody. I'm like, wait, you what? What are we doing this for? And we went in and we went on for a short time and then we went back off because it was clear that something was happening, right? So we yeah. were on and then we were off again and then back on later on. I think it was like an on, off, on, off. We couldn't. You know, sort of, we were trying to strike a balance that day. Yeah, we sort of tried to strike the balance of figuring out what the hell we should be doing. Because, again, there's no clear plan or playbook for what a station like ours is supposed to do in these situations. And there are many stations like ours that are caught in this because, unfortunately, we live in a day and age where these situations come up all too often. These things come up. These things happen. Whether it's here or elsewhere, we see recently this past week these these really unfortunate tragedies happen all the time, where people lose their lives and it deeply impacts communities. And you have uh, people in the media that are not quite news media, but they're not you know playing the top forty songs, and we're sort of stuck in the middle, right? Right? Because we talk, we don't play songs, we don't play music. You know, we're an escape, but it doesn't really quite feel right to be talking about something other than what it is that's going on. You can't sit here and talk about the suck bag bullpen when you've got something so you don't else. Want to spill the wolf, yeah, bombs? you know, you can play the music. You can. You right? You can yeah, do that. You can. You can say, you know what? People need their music. They need that escape. They need that thing to to sort of be able to get their mind off of things and escape and, and have that thing. But if you're going to be talking, you better be talking about exactly. That. There's a difference. Yeah. You can't be sitting here breaking down, you know, the Patriots defense and <laughs> you can't do that. Fun. Yeah. Jim had a clearer memory of this than me too. I don't know what day it was, Jim, where I was, I worked the midday show and then I left, was going home then got called back because that was Friday. That was Friday. That was Friday. We, we didn't work. We just all went in. We all well, went didn't in. Go in, but everybody else went in, and we just kind of sat there. And, and I, we sat there, and the news was playing, right. and they, they bought a bunch of pizzas, and we just kind of were hanging out. Everyone was kind of paying attention to it, and then, yeah, Jones explains it in this piece we're going to play next. Oh, okay. so uh, this is how it all sort of went that week, and to sort of wrap this up uh, again, I, I've been asked before, you know, what's your favorite memory of the sports hub? And I always say, oh, the John Henry interview. And what's the worst thing in the sports hub? And I always say this. This was yeah. the, the worst week. It was a horrible week. A week you hope to never have to deal with again and never want to ever have to go through again. Yeah. And for all the obvious reasons, we never want to have to see another day like that ever again. That that uh, Martin Richards' father, when he told the story of the way it all went down and he knew the outcome of what his son endured, but yet he had still had his daughter and his wife that were injured, obviously, without getting into detail. That one scarred me. That because when you have a boy that age and you had to, he's just an incredible. You just human knew being. and you had to leave him, 
and go deal with other. I that that guy. I mean, I don't I don't know how he got through that. I, I really don't. I really don't. And he's he's not. You're not through it. But no. I mean that stuff. That stuff you'll never ever ever forget. Especially and that's the stuff have, that we choose to focus on going know. forward. Just yeah. the incredible stories that came out of that week, right? And the park. I mean, there's so much stuff that came out of it for him. I I didn't just. I don't know. Like I, I still can't even talk about it because you don't. You don't know what to say. What do you say for people like that that are able to continue to move on and you got to deal with other people in your life and your other family members. But are, st- but are still living with it every single day. How can you not? Every single day. <laughs> so this is the week that was April of 2013 here on the Sports Hub. You know, we didn't know exactly what it was. One right after the other. One, as you can see here with the gray smoke on the side. bearing out. These devices were brought in on after this considerably They stopped the runners way up on Boylston Street, just absolutely stopped them in their tracks. Boston is a tough and resilient town. Who lost the glass of my building? So are its people. We saw them moving in with the bomb snipping dogs. I'm supremely confident that Bostonians will pull together, take care of each other, and move forward as one proud city, and as they do, the American people will be with them every single step of the way. The way. The way. The way. The first thing I remember is we have the monitors on with no sound. So not that anyone really knew exactly what happened at the time, but when you don't have sound and they have the helicopter shots, then it's like you really don't know what's going on. Beetle, I remember, said, I think it was during the break, said something's going on down there. There was an explosion or something. I remember him saying that. Yeah, basically, all the uh, tweets and everything that are happening, two loud booms were heard near the finish line over in Copley Square. Uh, two loud booms. There's some uh, reports of there being a large explosion right near the finish line. As you said, a Rich Shirtenlieb, who lives in that area, uh, he said a giant explosion just blew out the glass of my building. I remember thinking explosion. And in my mind, I was thinking a speaker blew or something, right? Like, I, I was thinking in those terms. And then once they started to show the video and you, and you saw the the red on the sidewalk, I remember you making a comment about there's some red visible yes. on the sidewalk. So BZTV has their helicopter right over Boylston Street, right over the Lennox Hotel, right at the finish line, and there's huge red stains on the ground. I don't know what it is, but I don't know. We can all guess what it is. And I remember thinking, uh-oh, like this is bad. And I just remember inside of, I don't know, 10 minutes, saying to Jimmy Stewart, just take the TV feed. And we put on Lisa Hughes the whole rest of the afternoon. Let's bring up BZTV Channel 4 right now and see what they're saying. It was the initial explosion with the glass shooting out from the business and that deafening boom, the few seconds where it's registering that something horrible has happened, and then the second blast went off. We are in the process of uh, securing the most complex crime scene that we've dealt with in the history of our department. Assistance from the public remains critical. So after the first bomb went off in front of our building, I remember more than anything how nice people were to me and my family in the days afterwards. Uh, We stayed at a hotel that gave us a a deep, deep discount and way too nice a room for just the four of us. On top of that, every day when we would go back to the hotel, we would always find little gifts for my two very young kids at the time. Like they would leave them cookies or little DVDs and stuffed animals for for them to watch and uh, for them to feel comfortable and, and at home. I was in borderline shock. It took me a week to get out of that thing. I remember like having to do the baseball reporters and this was you know i was in uncharted territory i I was like 
How do you talk about this? Yep. Not, you know, I mean, we do sports. Let's talk to Dave Gosher, the uh, voice <laughs> of the Boston Bruins. You know, as I tweeted out there, you, you go into the garden this morning, and I don't want to really, I don't want to overstate it, but I mean, it was a quick, it took maybe 10 seconds, but, um, you know, you go in the press entrance, they run the wand on you, and there were some state troopers outside the doors and some Boston police outside the doors. And I, I, obviously, that's to be expected. And I'm glad that the Bruins are playing. At least, hey, even if it's for three hours, give people something else to think about, something else to focus on. Take their focus away from all the sadness. Renee Rancor has been singing the anthem before Bruins games since the bicentennial year of 1976. But in those 37 years, never has it meant more to this city than it will tonight. Renee Rancor out, spotlight on him down to our left, along with the Boston Fire Department displaying the colors. Down to ice level we go in Renee Rancor. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so Looking at a lot of photographs, a couple of the photographs they've seen, they have high interest in. Well, but I'm told from the video analysis, uh, they now have what they believe to be a clear video image of the suspect approaching a site, placing a package, and leaving the site, and placing a package that matches the description of what they have been looking for, the size of the package, uh, the black bag, and the like, and they have those images now now being analyzed and to such detail i am told that they believe they have a clear image of a suspect what we're looking for right now is a suspect consider consistent with the description of suspect number two the white capped individual There's explosions and gunfire going on down the street. The pursuit went into a residential neighbor, neighborhood not far from here. 
where there was an exchange of gunfire between Watertown police, MBTA police officer, and two suspects in this SUV. This is an ongoing investigation. We can't we can't get into details on the on the, uh, on the descriptions of the suspects or the names. We're trying to get information out to the people who live here that they should stay in their homes and not open their doors unless police officers are there. There's a 20 block perimeter around the location that Chief DeVoe just talked about. We are concerned about securing that area and making sure that this individual is taken into custody. So our old uh, building was right by Watertown and no one was supposed to be on the roads, but we had media cards, which meant that we could go to work. And we ended up just playing the news channel that day. And we went up on the roof to, uh, you know, see what's going on, the roof of the building. And uh, someone uh, called, the police called and said, get the hell off the roof. And so we were down there and uh, just listening to the radio like everyone else and trying to find out what was happening. But uh, it was unsettling driving on the roads and seeing that there were no other cars there. It was uh, uh, the strangest day I've ever had doing radio. In the middle of it almost, 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm, you know, again, I'm in my yard, and I think we decided to come in. And so we came in, the, and I, I remember this was shortly before. This was the afternoon they caught the little prick in the boat in Watertown. Mm-hmm. And I remember driving into the station we the old station was along the river i uh, just on the other side of watertown and i remember driving in with the helicopters above me and i think that was our part of that part of that final closing on the guy in the boat i remember basically crossing over with felger and maz uh that day which was a friday and literally in the break from mike and tony wrapping up their show to when i started i want to say at six o'clock that night in that break that little five minute window we found out that they found him in a boat all day. They've been looking for him in Watertown really all week. They've been looking for him. And in that five minutes, it went from basically carrying WBZ news radio and doing little hits uh, a couple of minutes, an hour to now we found him. Now we've got him. And now what we've been chasing all week long finally happened. And now I got to go on the air. We were going home when People were off the streets and they had them, you know, basically cornered in this neighborhood in Watertown and we were on the way home, but there was nobody else on the road. I mean, it really, it was like, it was eerie is the word. Like it was different. I, I think Mike Thomas called Hardy and said, Hey, let's get somebody in there with Jones because he's brand new and he's a kid and he doesn't know what he's doing. I'm sure. So Hardy came in and Hardy kind of led things as I remember. And we started out still carrying some WBZ news radio and, you know, some press conferences and things like that. And then we pretty much started doing a radio show. I mean, unlike radio shows that we do here at the Sports Hub, but this was like a a, a unifying experience for the city. Like as horrible as it was, it was this thing that we all bonded over. The second suspect at the Boston Marathon was found hiding under a boat in a backyard and is in police custody in Boston. And chance of USA reverberating through Scott Trade Center here. It was probably close to 15 minutes later that a man called 911. He said he was dying for a cigarette. He saw the blood on the boat. He peered in. I just yelled out, we got him. We got him. This is our city. Ortiz in the center field. A base hit from third comes Ellsbury. Big Poppy's back and he's back big. It's in the air to right field. Frank Hoare going back. He's at the wall. Boston, this is 
for you. And this time next year, on the third Monday in April, the world will return to this great American city to run harder than ever and to cheer even louder for the 118th Boston Marathon. I also remember the people who uh, continued to help us through all of that and helped out my wife, who was going through chemo at the time. Uh, they would bring medication to her um, because it was left inside the building. So... Uh, I'll never forget those days and how kind people were to me and my family after such a horrible tragedy. I've heard Beatle talk about this a lot, but I think, you know, one of the lessons is that now we appreciate the marathon and the day, and it's a celebration of the city and a, a, a day to remember uh, Martin Richard and all those, you know, all those people who got hurt that day. We used to mock the marathon, and now I think we treat it with more respect as we should for those people. No question. All right, coming up in the 1 o'clock hour. We're going to um, get to Super Bowl 51 against the Falcons. That is what we're going to do. We're going to get to the Super Bowl against the Falcons, and uh, we're going to get to some really funny stuff in the best of today's takeaways Oh, coming up in the final hour as well. So we have a lot to get to in the last 50 minutes we have on the clock of our show that is commercial-free today on the 10th anniversary of 98.5 The Sports Hub. These three hours and nine minutes have gone quick. Quickly. Yeah, without a single commercial, so it's crazy. We can do it, but not without the help of some uh, very uh, generous people, right? Absolutely correct, including uh, today being brought to you commercial free by Aaron's, the King of Snow. See what I did there for him? Buy your Aaron snow thrower tax free weekend. Yeah, and slide that in. There. Hello, slide it in. Oh, slide it on, people. All right, so we'll get to it. Super Bowl Fifty One. And the best of today's takeaways in the final hour of the show, which is now just a minute away. 